Rakeem Cornwall, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Tell me, how does an Antiguan end up scoring 200 in Atlanta? What brought you there? Um, I think I played for the Atlanta Fires in the minor league. And then after the minor league performance, I get to come back and play for the Atlanta Fires in Atlanta Open. And it was just one of those days that the everything is clicking, everything feels right about the game and my batting, and I just go with the momentum and go as big as I can. Mm -hmm. So you're always looking to hit sixes? Is that in any cricket or just in T20 cricket in Atlanta? No, it's in any cricket. Once the ball is in your area and you back yourself, there's no doubt that you can mm -hmm. put it away. And if it's your strength, then you stick to it. Mm -hmm. And I feel that is definitely your strength. How, how hard and how fast you hit the ball is just unreal. Um, we'll come back to cricket in a little while, but if we can rewind a little bit. Um, so you're born and raised in Liberta, Antigua. Um, can you tell me about what your family life was like? I know you've spoken before about what life in Antigua was like, but how do you remember what your memories of your family life and growing up? Uh, good. Um, I think I have a very well-rounded family. Um, growing up, it was more, we live in the countryside of Antigua. So it's more outdoors and natural life and stuff rather than you go to the on the farm and enjoy the local culture. Um, we did a lot of fishing and growing up as a young boy, we have a lot of activities. We play football, we play cricket. And I think growing up in Liberty is very good. Um, then moving on to playing cricket for the Liberty Sports Club, where it's all started for me. And I just go from strength to strength. Mm -hmm. And how much of an inspiration was your family in terms of getting into sports? Who was the main pushing factor, the family environment, or was it more the school environment where you played cricket? It's a little bit of both. Um, started from my family. My uncle, he played um, at the Leeward Island level, the first class level for Leeward Island. And my father played a bit, never really moved on to the Leeward Island level. But he always gives me that belief that I can go forward and do big things. And I also, in the Liberta Sports Club, you have guys like Kenneth Benjamin, the former West Indies fast bowler. Um, they were, I started my cricket career and always give me that belief and that inspiration to go there and do big things for me and my family. So are you the best cricket player in your family now? Or is that still up for debate with your uncle? No, I, I don't think it's up to debate. Um, he thinks I, he's better, right? He thinks he's better. I think... I'm definitely the better one at this point <laughs> after he's retired, but um, he's still pretty good. Uh, still learn a lot of things from him. He's become a, a coach now. He's coaching, so it's always good to lean on him for any little experience or anything about the game. We'll just say that you're both as good as each other, should we say? Um, so when did you start watching cricket? And I make that differential because there's one thing playing cricket in your back garden and with your family. And there's another thing watching cricket and starting to think, oh, this is something I could maybe achieve and get to professionally. So do you have memories watching 
international cricket on television, for example, in early 2000s? Or where did that begin? Yeah, I have memories watching. I can remember at one game I watched the West Indies win the Champions Trophy in the partnership between Courtney Brown and um, Ian Butcher versus England. Um, that's one that I can remember. And locally, I used to go and watch my father play and my uncle play. And then I really started to fall in love with the game and it just go from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I imagine if you were watching in sort of the early 2000s, would you take inspiration from the likes of, I know, Brian Lara and Chris Gale, those kind of figures? Or were you more sort of looking backwards at the really elite teams in the 80s, for example? I just, I see these guys play and I always wanted to get that experience to go there and play on the, on the same field. At that time, Wesley's was playing at the ARG with one of the historical grounds in Antigua with Brian Lara scored at 400 and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wanted to get onto that field to play. And yeah. Even when we get the opportunity, it was a school final and we get the opportunity to play at that ground. And I just knowing that playing cricket for me was going to be a big thing. Mm-hmm. I'll say the big boots to follow if you're going to try and be from Antigua and play cricket for West Indies, right? you got Viv Richards. <laughs> And he's probably one of the greatest cricketers to ever existed. So you've, you've got good heritage in that sense in Antigua. Um, yeah, so after watching cricket and sort of realising this might be something that you could you could do, when did cricket become a real possibility for you? When did you start to think that this is actually something I can take to the point where I can earn money from this rather than just something which you would have dreamt of doing? I think that started from age 17. Um when I made my debut for the Leeward Islands in the Caribbean T20, I start to think this could be a breakaway for me that I could make this and a living. I can make a living out of this and help my family and support my family. And I start to take it very serious. And then we go from there towards like a franchise setup. And then it's all uphill from there. It's just really go from strength to strength. So you say 17. Does that mean a young Rakeem at school wasn't sort of staring out of the window dreaming of playing at the Antigua Recreational Ground? Or did you still have, while you're at school, were you a really committed student? Or did you already know at that point that sport was where you wanted to head in terms of a career? Well, I know what I really wanted in terms of the sport. Um, it was still a balance between school and sport. Um, then after I made that breakthrough in sports, I just said, okay, this is the way that I want to go. And I can always hit up school whenever I really need it in, in terms of <laughs> what is online. And so it's, I just try to focus on the sport and make sure mm-hmm. I can be the best I can to support my family and support a long life going forward. Yeah. So it sounds like you are a model student. Would that be correct description? Yeah. Yeah. So straight, straight A stars or like straight, straight A's? Uh, not really straight A's, but at least there's something going forward. Okay. Okay. I get the sense that you're an over performer or an overachiever, that you spend your life being really, really good at all the things that you try and do, even at school. Um, are there any times at school where you got in trouble or anything like that? 
No, I, I wasn't that a trouble kid. Um, <laughs> I was being quiet and observe and just trying to be on the right path. If I asked your parents, would they also say that you were no trouble at all? They would definitely tell you that they really? never come to the school or get any bad reports about me. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, so do you... You said that when you started uh, about 17, you realised you could make this into a career. At that moment, did you know, did you have the self-confidence to know that you would play test cricket for West Indies? Or at that point, were you still unsure of your abilities? Uh, at that point, um, yes, it was a dream for me to play for the West Indies. Um, I had that in mind that because that is the biggest achievement that you can ever get in cricket in the Caribbean. Um, at 17, I was just focusing on getting things right, getting to understand my game to the fullest, um, trying to dominate first-class cricket. And they, I know once I do those things, there is no doubt that I will get a West Indies call. So I tried to focus on that piece before thinking about West Indies call. But I know once I take care of those things, then eventually I will get a West Indies call. I want to dig into that a little bit. Because you said that the best thing a player can do is represent West Indies at Test cricket, do you think that's changing as the white ball game becomes so much more prolific and the franchises, for example, the CPL? Do you see that now as something that you might think would shift because of how much money there is in the white ball game, or do you think in the West Indies the pinnacle still is to represent the country for Test cricket? I think test cricket will always live on. I think that's the real test of cricket. Um, yes, there's a lot of franchise and T20 cricket around the world, but I think, and I can assure you that there is young players out there in the Caribbean who will still want to make that West Indies test team. I think test cricket is still one of the pinnacle of cricket where you really, once you play test cricket, you think you have achieved what you need to achieve and T20 cricket and one day cricket, there is no disrespect to them, but there is <laughs> cricket that everyone would play uh, because they think it's a faster game, but test cricket mm -hmm. is a real stuff. Mm. I say, how much of a shock was that to you when you first played test cricket compared to T20 cricket? <clears throat> they, they say the step up is massive, but you personally, how much of a shock was that to your system or were you well prepared for it? It was not not really a big shock because I know the level of performance that I put in before mm -hmm. getting that call up. Um, getting that call up was very good. I feel really good. And then after getting into test cricket, then I understand this is the real stuff. There's mm -hmm. no room for slacking up and no room for to be really, you have to be the best that you can because you're playing against the best in the world. So it's always, you have to be on cue. Mm. I, the thing that fascinates me about what we've discussed so far is the first, the sense of, I get the sense that you are an overachiever in as far as everything, you work extremely hard at everything you do to make sure that everything goes well. Um, but if you scroll forward, you've now got 34 test wickets got a test 10 for which not many people can claim to have this underlying confidence in yourself and in your abilities as long as you know you've done the preparation that you have 
how does that affect you mentally when you're approaching something like is there is there are there times when you don't have that confidence for example no i don't i think once you're prepared well um especially if you're going to a test series and you know your opponent you prepared where well, you practice where well, you put in all the work i think that is where you get your confidence and your mindset right for the job at hand um once you do do once you do those things, then the confidence is always high. And I think when you lose confidence is when you start to think about different things and trying to try different things you share away from your strength and your game. So mm-hmm. once you know what you're about and know your game, you just stick to that plan. And have you lost confidence in your game before? Yes, I did. Um, I have done time where things might go my way and lose a little bit of confidence, lose a little bit of focus. And then you just have to get yourself back together and know, okay, this is the road that I want to be on and try to be on that road and be positive as you can. What steps, forgive me for pushing this, but what steps do you take to have that confidence? Because to the people like me, me and Mortal, who can never imagine of playing international cricket, the amount of pressure that's on you at a given time must make you doubt yourself so much and you seem to be able to stay calm and above it and know that you've done the preparation therefore there's no need to be not confident because you've done all the work um what steps do you take when you lose a bit of your self-confidence to tell yourself you know what i do deserve to be here and i know i'm good enough to compete on this stage i just it's simple you stick to your game plan you always go back to the giant board and know this is my strength, this is my weakness. And self-belief is very is a very big thing. Once you believe in yourself and then you give yourself that extra boost, then you know, okay, I'm in the right place to go there and perform. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're aware, but it was International Mental Health Day yesterday. Um, and cricket has a history of being really tough on people's mental health particularly because of the pressure you're under, as I said, and the scrutiny. Um, how big of a deal in West, in West Indies cricket or where you've played has the mental well-being of players been? And you personally, do you feel like you you do enough to take care of your mental well-being at, right now? Yeah, I think I did enough. I don't put any added pressure. I try to shut out the outside noise or the outside talking that that could lead to a lot of mental issues. Um, I just keep it simple, have conversation with a lot of people that I know that I can trust and give you the right information. Um, I think mental in the West Indies is getting better than before. You have more people speaking and speaking to other people and getting to know individuals more and just try to be as calm as possible. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen a lot of former players, no, no, former players. We've seen a lot of international players, high-profile international players like Ben Stokes, for example, take breaks from their international cricket for their mental well-being. Um, is that something that, if it were to come to it, you would consider doing? Um, and secondly, have there been any instances where you've you've had? A, a dip like a mental health dip and felt the need just to take some time out um 
would you be able to explain any of that to me? Yeah, I think if if it comes to that point, yes, I would definitely. I think every international cricketer at some point you would have to take a break because international cricket is tough and it's sometimes it could be very mentally tired or you might feel fatigue or whatever the case may be. You just need, probably need a break to refresh and come again. I don't think there's a problem with taking a break and go and have some time and start to reflect and know where you want to head. But you seem to me that nothing seems to affect you. And I don't mean that in, in a particular way, even just you seem so relaxed and so calm about everything, even when you're, I think of the example of when you took a slip catch against England and then you just, you grabbed it and then just flicked it and walked away. And I was just like, he's just on a level where it's, nothing seems to affect him. Is that a, an active choice that you just are able to stay above it? Or uh, are there think, other times when you do drop below what, what you want from yourself? I just think that comes from, that's naturally for me. Um, I don't really try to get flustered or anything. I just try to be calm as possible. I think if the calmer you be, the better you think and the better you get to execute the job at hand. And that is definitely shown in your career so far. Um, you know, nervous scratching around at the crease, all you're doing is focused on what's going on there and you get the results right. Um, good. All right, so moving on. So I've talked about what it takes to be a professional cricketer and mental well-being. Final question on what it takes to be a cricketer in the current climate. Has it changed over the course of your career? I know you haven't been playing for too long. But have you seen a development in in the pressures that are on cricket players and equally the services that players would need to stay healthy in this environment? I think it goes up and down. Um, in terms of being an international cricket, it will change. Um, fitness levels and dieting and all these things come into play. And and even so if you tour, you, you find different challenges, you might find different surfaces, you might find different weather and all these things. So as an international cricketer, you have to be open and always willing to adapt to a situation. And once you do that, and then you just try to fit things to your game. That, but you still have a main game plan and a main lifestyle that you want to live. So you add uh, on the way, you just have to keep adding things and rearrange things to, to, to add to that. Mm. Do you consider yourself a celebrity? No, I'm I'm still a normal human being. I'm still a normal guy that will look out for anybody that really needs help. I'm very down to earth and and my background. I if people might see me as a celebrity um, because of the cricket stature, but um, I see myself as a caring person for the anyone that really needs help or once I can contribute to anyone's success I'm willing to do that mm. have you ever been tempted to buy into the celebrity status that people try to put on you because you're a lot of attention goes on you on social media for example and I know you try and block it out but on a human level there must be a desire or an incentive anyway for you to start reading those things, to try and, and work out why they're saying it about you and then give yourself the credit 
when they do focus on your game. Um, so is that something that you consider? No, I never consider to take up that celebrity life. I just try to be humble as possible and just live normal. I don't. I think living as a celebrity is going to bring bring a lot of attention to you, and you always have to be watching what you do and certain things. So I just try to keep a normal life. As saying that, I'm not a big social media fan as well, so I just keep it very simple and just keep it as normal as possible. Was that taught to you by your parents when you were growing up in Antigua? That level of we're going to work hard, not make a fuss, be caring, rather than worry about what people think about us. Yeah, I think that that pumped into me by my mother. My mother always preached up to me: never get ahead of yourself, never be feel like you're better than no one. Always stay humble and respectable to everyone and treat everyone the same. So. Mm-hmm. I think that was something that really instilled me from small. Mm. It's really an interesting one because it's hard for people like me to imagine what it must be like to be at the centre of such a sort of attention storm, to use a terrible metaphor. Um, I want to read a tweet that somebody tweeted about you. I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, they said, does Rakeem Cornwall catch slippery bars of soap for fun and that is in reference to how amazingly good you are as a fielder your ability just to grab something out of thin air as if you just it's not even a big deal to you um on on a more serious point the the influence of social media on a lot of players is is known but is there any part of you that would like to be able to condense the positives from social media and use that or are you happy with the trade-off saying i'm not going to look at it at all even though there's something good and something bad um just to focus on yourself so wh- what is your relationship in that sense uh, i think i just don't look at it appearing um i just focus on what i could control and once i do that i it doesn't really bother me at all mm-hmm. if something bad or something good I know what I can do. I know where I want to be, where I want to go. So I just focus on that and try to do that as my to do the best of my ability. Is it is there anything that could bother you? You're so calm and relaxed. It's amazing. But I, is there anything that could happen which would make you think, oh yeah, I should probably take notice of what that person is saying? No, not really. It takes a lot to get me really ticked off. <laughs> Just, just nothing. I just stay calm as possible, and whatever mm-hmm. the situation that showed me, I always mm-hmm. find ways and means to try to conquer it. Mm. I'll try and make sure that I'm not that guy who manages to tick you off in this interview. <laughs> um, is there a time when you were ticked off? Do you remember? Was there like a a moment in your life where you realized that you should always try and stay above? the noise in that sense? Uh, not that I can remember. Um, There's things that along the way you might not really please up, but to get to that point where you get really mad and lose control now, I don't think I ever reached that point. But I, as I say, I just try to find ways and means to deal with it rather than get really mm-hmm. ticked off and get angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, 
um, moving on from the social media debate, lots of people on Twitter, which you rightly don't look at, um, will focus on, on your size rather than on your skills that you have on the cricket pitch and your performance on the cricket pitch. Now, I know you don't study what other people say on Twitter, but for others, the sort of superficial focus on the person rather than the performance can actually be really quite damaging. So um, I don't know how much you know about Freddie Flintoff, but while people were making fun of his stature, um, he actually was suffering with bulimia. So I was wondering if you think attitudes towards size and how people approach being a professional athlete should change, in your opinion, give, given the experiences that you've had. Uh, there's, um, I already who I am. I think I can change that. I know what I can do is try to stay as fit as possible. Um, everybody's not going to be the same body structure. Um, so I control what I can control in terms of my body structure is once I can stay fit enough that I could perform on the field, I think I'm happy with that. Mm -hmm. And so does it frustrate you when people focus on things which aren't related to your performance in that way? Um, because as I said, I read your numbers out to you. To represent a country in test cricket is an amazing achievement, no matter if you're five foot four or six foot six. Um, so yeah, does that frustrate you at all? And do you think that attitudes should probably change in cricket with regards to that? No, not, not really. As I said, those people that who may comment and think about weight and, oh, he's not fit to play test cricket or I'm not in the category to play, um, I think that is their opinion. Once I know what I can do and the team that I'm playing for support me and back me, that's the most important thing. Um, rather than being studying what the outside, because if you study the outside noise, it's going to get you frustrated, it's going to get you mentally drained. And then, mm -hmm. so as you do, you stick to your plan and know what you want to do mm -hmm. and stay as fit as possible to perform. I think nothing beats performance. Mm. And how much support do you get off of the field for those kind of things? How, how much is it based off of just you and your performance making you feel as good as you can? So that you can go and deliver when you take to the pitch. I get a lot of support, um, especially the people that are close to me and the, the teams and the coaches, the management stuff. I get mm -hmm. a lot of support, and that's all matters to me. Once those people give me that support that I need and give me that confidence, there is no doubt that I will put in the work and keep fit and mm -hmm. keep coming, and then my career will just keep getting better and better. Mm -hmm. That's really. Nice to hear. It's the, the confidence is sort of coming from your side of the Zoom screen into me because of just how how calm and relaxed you are. It's, it's just really great to hear. So let's talk America, USA, where you're coming from. Um, how are you finding playing cricket in America compared to the other countries you've been to? It's different um, because... In a good way or a bad way? Uh, it's, it's in a good way um, because it's... The first time you know cricket is not a big sport in America it's compared to basketball and baseball and these things. Um, they're trying to get cricket over here. I think in the next four or five days, cricket is going to be one of the biggest sports in America alongside with baseball and basketball and these things. Uh, it's different because 
it's matting. Some of the different states have turf wickets. Mm-hmm. And as a player, you are, as I say, if you go into different conditions, you always have to adapt to to different conditions and to come and play on matting. Mm-hmm. Different, you have to add something to your game to learn how to play on the matting, then to go back on turf. So I think is is getting better in a sense where cricket is going to be a big thing in America soon. Mm-hmm. Now, now I know you're flying out today, but have you had time to travel? anywhere near to Atlanta, Georgia, while you've been there? No, it's just been cricket from since I've been cricket and then okay. I'm coming back home today to prepare for the regional Super 50 tournament mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the West Championship and mm-hmm. after that, I probably take a break. So, so what do you, yeah, deserve a break, sounds like. Um, so what have you done to relax while you've been in America? Have you sort of culturally try to, I know, is barbecues big in Atlanta, I think? Have you tried to get some food, that kind of thing? No, not really. Uh, we just basically spend most of the time relaxing and take rest because coming after the CPL, there is not much rest. So mm. whenever I get rest, I just try to stay down low and just relax in my room and watch mm. a bit of TV and talk to my family as much as possible. Yeah. So for somebody who's just emanates relaxation what do you do to chill in the evenings after a game do you i don't know listen to music watch youtube videos read a book like what kind of what does rakeem cornwall do to to relax if he's already the most relaxed man in the world i just spend more some time talking to family friends and have a laugh and maybe if i'm home i will play a little bit of dominoes or and just relax with my friends. Mm-hmm. Board games? No, no card games. Just more like dominoes and. Okay. So you're not you're not a monopoly player. No. No, I feel that's feel like that would be too too divisive for somebody as kind and, and as nice as you. Um, now the Atlanta T Twenty Open, where you hit your two hundred, is that your highest T Twenty score? Two hundred and five not out. I, that's my highest score in any cricket. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you could have gone on to get 300, 400 if the game had allowed it to be? Were you in the zone? At that point, I, um, I was really in a good space. I feel like you have to be something special to get me out at that time. Uh, I never know how far I could go, but I think I would be going really big. For the people listening to this on audio, a massive grin appeared on Rakeem's face when he said that he thought he could keep going. Um, so that's his next. That's your next target then. 300 not out in a T20 match. We'll go for it. Um, so yeah, the Atlanta 20 Open was the first ICC-sanctioned tournament to take place in Georgia, in the United States. How much have you enjoyed playing with the Atlanta Fire? And where do you think you can go with Atlanta Fire in future seasons? I enjoy playing with Fire. Uh, Atlanta Fire is a very good group of guys, um, players that willing to put in the extra yard to make sure that the team gets over the line. And I think my future with Atlanta is going to be great. Um, once keep fit and keep in good health and keep performing, there is no doubt that my career will be going along with Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, 
think we have a very good management staff, coaching staff as well. So, mm -hmm. and they're not. They're, sorry, they're saying they're not behind the camera, making sure you say that, are they? No. no. Volunteering the information. No, no. No. Okay, good. You can tell me. It's fine. Um, good. And then for the U.S. cricket, uh, for cricket in the United States in general, do you see? the United States becoming a place where you can really make strides in your career. I know you've talked about the United States being somewhere where you can work on your skills, get into some rhythm. So when you go back to the bigger competitions, you can perform even better. But do you see maybe you carving a niche for yourself in the US in the long term as cricket develops in the States? I think I think so. Once the cricket develop and it gets to a bigger stage, I think you could develop and get a decent living out of it over in the US. Now, um, what's next for you? And I say that partly tongue in cheek, thinking that you might come back to Thames Ditton in London. Um, would you ever consider coming back to London to play cricket? I I I think about it. Um, does the timing never really present itself to play country cricket or play club cricket in England? Uh, what's next to me is go back home, have a week of recovery, and then go straight into our domestic 50 over tournament. Um, try to get some good performance in there and put my name in the hat for selections for the West Indies White Body. Do I'll focus on London just a little bit because of where our organisation is based. When you played for Thames Ditton, um, is the reason that you might not want to come back because of the beer that you have to drink when you win a match for your team? No, no, no that's not the reason. The reason is just <laughs> that the time of first-class cricket in the Caribbean and the, to yeah. get time to come and play country for the length of period, it's not, you just don't, present itself so that's the main reason yeah so you'd be happy to have a yard of beer as you did in Thames didn't after you win a match for West Indies for example that's not the issue no no that's not the issue. No. you'll you'll do your duty for your country to to see the beer off good um long-term goals we're rapidly approaching the end of the interview but if I were to ask you in 15 years and you were to say I'm happy with what I achieved in my career, what would happen in the next 15 years for that to be the case? Would you be able to retire now, look back and think, I'm happy with what I've achieved? Or is there more? I think I have a lot more to to, to put in, in towards the game. Um, if I retire, I won't retire with no regrets. Um, I would move away from the game in terms of playing. But uh, I say in the next 15 years, I would still want to be in terms of like coaching or being up in an organization to get the cricket better in the Caribbean. Something mm -hmm. that I can help put my input and put my experience into, um, then I would probably get into coaching. Mm -hmm. And then off of the field, what are your long-term goals and investments? And I say that because we've seen a lot, quite a few former players turn to different things and different social causes after they've left the game. I'm thinking, for example, on Michael Holding and everything he's doing with his book and supporting the Black Lives, Latin, Black Lives Matter movement. Is there any sort of social cause that you would love to push 
once your focus isn't entirely on on test on, on cricket? I don't know really. I think after cricket, I would just probably get try to get into business. Um, I love fishing, so I probably would mm-hmm. get into probably uh, probably a proper fishing um, industry and get into a proper fishing business and see how it goes from there. Okay. Once you've opened your fishing business, can I have some free fish when I can get there? Sure, sure, you can. Yeah. Will you take me to teach me how to fish as somebody who has never done that before? Yeah, once once you have time, there's no doubt that we can go out and get some fish. All right, I'll see you Antigua then, and uh, you can teach me how to fish. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Rukim, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know it's busy um, to talk to us, and um, all we can do is wish you all the best for the future. And we really look forward to seeing you excel in everything that you're going to do. Um, and I'm going to try and stay a bit more calm about everything after speaking to you. The sort of the zen that you have is something I'm going to try and take on. So, yeah, thank you very much again. All right. Thanks for having me.